Today, we recognize Women's History Month with two highly accomplished aviation professionals who share how they're working to bring more women into our industry. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for the latest business aviation news and information. And let's get right to our conversation. I'm honored to welcome both of my guests today, beginning with Shasta Ways, CEO and founder of DreamSoar that promotes STEM education for women, and who in 2017 became who at the time was the youngest female to fly around the world. I don't have a typical story <laughs> that you usually hear. I did not grow up around aviation, nor did I have any sort of interest. And to be quite honest, I was afraid of aircraft uh, flying over my head. And part of the reason for that is growing up, the only exposure that I had to you know, anything aviation were aircraft accidents on the news. And then sure enough, after I graduated from high school at the age of 17, I had the opportunity to fly across the country from California to Florida on Delta Airlines. And I was traveling by myself. I was visiting some cousins who lived in Florida who always came to visit us, but you know, we never had the chance to go there. So this was my first flight experience. And I was just so afraid of, you know, what was going to happen. And to my surprise, once we taxied and we got onto the runway, and once we lifted off, it was such a gentle, beautiful liftoff. And as we started to like elevate into the sky, I looked out the window and this town that I had grown up in, you know, just looked so small and out there surrounding this town that I grew up in was the world and got to Florida. My aunt picked me up and she asked me, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to the parks, the beach? And I told her, no, I want to stay at the airport and learn how to become a pilot. My second guest is literary aviatrix Liz Booker, who found the place to make her aviation dreams a reality during a 28-year career with the U.S. Coast Guard. I wanted to be a pilot when I was a kid. First, I wanted to be an astronaut, and somehow I figured out that you had to be a pilot first. And so I was five years old, and I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I went to a magnet school in high school for the first year and a half, where it was focused on aviation. And we moved, my family moved in the middle of 10th grade. And I ended up taking some detours. Uh, I ended up dropping out of high school and moving out very young. And when I was 18, I enlisted in the United States Coast Guard. I was in for about five years before I was eligible to apply for the officer candidate program that they have. And when I was accepted to that, it occurred to me that I could now pursue this childhood dream and go to flight school. So I applied to flight school. The Coast Guard attends Navy flight school in Pensacola and spent about a year and a half there and then went on to fly the H-65 Dolphin helicopter at three units, in addition to doing quite a few other things in the Coast Guard, including being a diplomat in my last tour. Liz, we'll talk a little later about how you and Shasta are both advocating for women in aviation, including your efforts to highlight the stories of women in our industry. But do you have a favorite story of your own you'd like to share? I could probably just sum up my entire career in the Coast Guard and especially the flying with just a sense of pride and satisfaction in the missions that we conducted, primarily search and rescue, law enforcement as well. And so there was just a real sense of joy knowing that all of that training and your crew coordination, the people you were working with, all working together as a team 
had the ability to impact somebody's life in such an important way. So that was wonderful. But in terms of my aviation career, the thing that I'm most proud of and most enjoyed was having the opportunity to network the women in the Coast Guard. I was in a position as an HR manager for aviation after having received a master's degree in public administration. And I kind of made it my mission to help the women coming behind us and to connect our women who were serving mainly in isolation at the 27 air stations around the Coast Guard. And Women in Aviation International was a big help with that. With their annual conference, we were able to bring people together and establish some mentoring and networking sessions there. This, this is 10 years ago. And we're able to push our issues up to senior leadership with the power of all of our voices behind us and implement meaningful policy changes that helped the women who came behind us. And I was very gratified. I just got back from the WAI 23 conference to see over 100 Coast Guard members there doing the same things that we established back in 2009. Shasta, I'd imagine you also have some stories from your experiences launching DreamSoar and planning your trip around the globe. Yeah, I mean, there are so many incredible memories that jump up at me. So back in 2017, through my nonprofit Dream Store, I was able to fly solo around the world in a Beechcraft Bonanza. And it was incredible because I got to meet with 3,000 kids face to face, you know, shake their hands, ask them for their name, and talk to them about career opportunities in aviation and uh, STEM education. Just seeing the faces, the smiles, the excitement, it's something I will never forget. And one thing that kind of jumps out at me in terms of business aviation is back in 2016, a year before I took off, NBAA graciously invited the DreamSoar team. You know, we're a nonprofit. They invited us to display our Bonanza on static. So it was really cool to fly into Orlando International, park the, the aircraft, then taxi it the night before the convention started. Um, so to be able to, you know, taxi the aircraft across streets and stuff. And once we were set up, what was so cool was just being able to share the aircraft with the industry and because of that, we were able to generate so much more support. So that's something that I, I often think back to. And it was just a, such a special opportunity to be able to feature the Bonanza at NBAA and also, you know, share what we were doing with the industry. Coming up, we'll hear more about how Shasta and Liz are working to bring more women into aviation and to make our industry a more accepting and welcoming place for them. But first, a quick message from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, are you getting recognized for your leadership? NBAA now offers certificates and other credentials in safety, sustainability, and more. Visit nbaa.org to apply today. We're back now with Liz Booker and Shasta Ways and our discussion about promoting opportunities for women across the aviation industry. Shasta, we left off as you were planning your round-the-world flight. I'd imagine you encountered some challenges along the way. Certainly a, a trip of that caliber going around the world in a single engine bonanza, um, you know, there were a lot of setbacks and, and roadblocks. But, you know, even leading up to that, it was tough. You know, since we're talking about women in aviation, I remember when I first told people that I was flying around the world, it was interesting some of the comments. Of course, not all, but there were these comments of, oh, that's cute or, 
I remember one person said, you know, why don't you do the right thing and take a man with you? Oh, holy cow. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, you know, very interesting comments that I'm sure a lot of women, unfortunately, have heard. Um, But I know that times are changing. People's mindsets are shifting. But, you know, one thing for sure is uh, it'd be interesting to see the people's reaction when I was in a flight suit next to the aircraft going around the world versus not. Um, For some reason, the flight suit in some of these foreign countries, the men just, you know, responded to me in a very, in a way where, you know, I was the pilot in command. And, you know, when we were preparing the aircraft, they were taking my direction. But as soon as that flight suit came off and, you know, I was in regular clothes, they just saw me as like another young woman. So that was really interesting to see. But, you know, the good thing is, is the more we have women doing these incredible things, the more we're changing this culture that's been in aviation for so long. Liz, what challenges have you encountered as a woman in aviation and how have you addressed them? Going toward what Shasta mentioned, the stupid things that people say to you as a woman or as a minority in aviation, it still happens. I know we think we are becoming a little more enlightened and changing the culture, but it's still going on. Um, And that was the thing that surprised me and challenged me most was my whole childhood. I told you, you know, I went to an aviation magnet school. I was nothing but encouraged to pursue my dream of being a pilot. And so when I got to Navy flight school and got the reception that I did, which was not warm, I can tell you, um, and that's just partially a function of the environment there, but it was extra for me being a female. Um, I just kind of was an alien to them. They knew how to connect with the young men who were just like they were when they were going through flight school, but I was a little older, I had been enlisted, and I was a mom, and so I was something different to them. And then as I worked my way up through the ranks, the military culture of competition combined with some things that went on in my career that were sometimes overtly, you know, sexist um, or misogynist and others that were just left you questioning. Um, And so that was what motivated me to want to build this support network for the women in the Coast Guard. And it's what motivates me to do the things that I'm doing now. You and Shasta both raise a very important point, Liz, that for all the progress we've made as an industry to become more diverse, there are still so many examples of how far we still have to go. So let me ask you, what are we doing right as an industry in that regard, and where can we do more? I have been pleasantly surprised at how wonderful and supportive everyone is. In terms of the industry as a whole, I had the opportunity to um, work with Cargo Network Services, which is an international air transport association company, and they have their 25 by 2025 initiative, which seeks to move the industry toward gender parity by promoting women to 25% of leadership in non-traditional roles by 2025. And I know they have over 130 signatories, um, including you know many major airlines and those kinds of things. Those kinds of initiatives are amazing because it makes it a priority. The signatories to that you know have to meet every quarter and kind of report out on how they're doing toward that goal. And so there's a little industry competition or peer pressure to to get your numbers up, which I'm really happy about. I think information is what will help the industry 
everything that I'm doing right now is centered on story, but I, I believe that our male peers like you, who are informed about what our experiences are, like the things that we just shared, will be better prepared to be allies for us. I think that there are a lot of men in the industry who are just, you know, focused on their own careers and they don't they don't engage in anything negative toward women or minorities. And so they may not be attuned to the fact that it is going on. And so educating them and sharing our stories with them and, and not just one story, because when you hear one incident, like you heard what Shasta said or what I said, it's easy to d dismiss it as an isolated incident. But when you look across the collective stories of our women, you start to get a much more clear picture and maybe can be convinced that it's still an issue and you can be prepared to be a better ally. Shasta, what are your thoughts? You know, there's so many good things. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of initiatives out there. I feel like there are a lot of great organizations that are just being more intentional about giving women um, opportunities for uh, moving up in the company ladder or just, you know, more opportunities in general. Um, to be specific, so the FAA launched the Women in Aviation Advisory Board. And on this board, there were over 30 women from several different sectors of aviation, including business aviation. And early last year, this board came together and really dissected the whole trajectory of women when they get into aviation until they get into their respective career fields, you know, what that whole journey looked like, where were the barriers, where were the opportunities. And, you know, two years of work, they came together and they put together, it's called the Flight Plan for the Future, Breaking Barriers for Women in Aviation. And there are over 55 recommendations on there, as well as, you know, these recommendations are very specific. They're for, you know, the industry, the FAA, Congress. So we have this incredible tool and even ways on how to, you know, change just the gender imbalance that we're facing in aviation. So that was just really exciting as a woman in aviation to read that, to see all of this work unfold and give uh, solutions to some of the problems that women are facing. Because there are so many women out there that are putting in the work and just putting their heart out there to help women in our industry feel connected and a place where they feel like they can grow and just be themselves. Now let's talk about how the two of you are working together toward that goal. Liz, how did you become a literary aviatrix? So while I was in active duty, I had the idea for a story. It is a young adult story about a girl who learns how to fly. And it was a story that just wouldn't leave me alone. I was in the middle of my aviation career. I certainly didn't have time to be trying to write anything, but I did. I wrote this novel and I read it and it was garbage. <laughs> I discovered that I knew how to fly, but I didn't know how to write. So. Over the next several years, I attended workshops in writers critique groups and ultimately got a Master of Fine Arts in Writing for Children and Young Adults and retired in 2019 to, to write full time. And then of course, right after that, we were in the middle of COVID and I really kind of lost my steam and I was losing my motivation and creativity. So at the end of 2020, I reached out into some Facebook groups and said, hey, would anyone be interested in starting a little book club where we could discuss books that feature women in aviation? 
And in the first five minutes, I had over 40 responses. And so very quickly, I scrambled and figured out how to make a Facebook group. And by the end of the first week, we had 600 members. And at the end of the first month, we had 1,200. And now we're up around 2,000. And now it's over 600 books on the market that feature women in aviation in all genres and for all ages, covering our, the span of our history. And um, I started networking with the authors. I started an interview podcast where we spend part of our time talking about the book and then the other part talking about writing and publishing to give other women in aviation the tools and resources to hopefully tell their stories. And Shasta, I believe that's where you come in. Yeah. So I host a podcast as well. It's called the Aviate with Shasta podcast. And the objective of this podcast is just to connect with women leaders in the industry and talk to them about their career journey in aviation and ask them, you know, how did you balance motherhood, pivoting, advocating for yourself, like very real topics that women kind of go through as they get into their sectors and and progress in aviation. And so I met Liz during season one. She came on very generously and shared her insights about motherhood. And it was, you know, it was incredible. And, you know, through that conversation, I, I just found Liz to be so genuine. And, you know, she was, she's at the time, one woman doing all of this incredible and important work. And so I just naturally gravitated to her mission, um, her brand, you know, everything that she was doing. So that's, that's how her and I met was through the podcast. And then, you know, as time went by, my business partner, Michael Wilds and I, um, we both are on the Dream Soar board. And, you know, we kept thinking, in order to really change the narrative for women in aviation, um, rather than, you know, complaining about how the narrative is not that great, and it doesn't really capture you know, our journeys in aviation and our stories, what better way than to kind of start up a, a media company to, you know, focus on changing the narrative of women and really giving women a platform to be able to do their work in a very efficient way. I love everything that Shasta and Michael are doing with DreamSoar. And I recognize that they're building something unique, but it also incorporates the many, many other organizations that are out there trying to promote women in aviation. And the, the great news for me is that what I'm doing complements all of them. You know, we like to say that we are promoting women in STEM. Well, I'm bringing the STEAM by also promoting books and literacy and really getting an emotional connection through story. People can connect with me as literary aviatrix across social media, even on TikTok, I gotta be there for the young people. I go to outreach um, events locally with a big stack of books to talk to kids about our women in aviation history and all of our amazing role models, including Shasta with her picture book, Fly Girl Fly, which is beautiful. And then anyone is welcome to join an aviatrix book club discussion and we host virtual discussions a couple of times throughout the month and we just love having our men show up to a conversation but you're welcome fellas i mean don't be scared we're not gonna we're not gonna bite your head off sounds like the two of you have formed a very formidable team to advocate for other women in aviation and i thank you both for being on flight plan today to help spread the word about your efforts shasta it's also particularly exciting to see how dream is moving forward 
business aviation propelled DreamSoar forward. You know, even when I was going around the world, it was business aviation that stepped in and supported fuel and maintenance. I consider my community to be business aviation. And Liz mentioned it earlier. We encouraged her to go to an NBAA conference, just knowing so much value and just the community that's there. Um, They're so supportive. So just a special thanks to business aviation as well as NBAA for giving organizations like DreamSoar a platform to do the work that we feel is very important and impactful. To learn more about Shasta and Liz's efforts to bring women into aviation, be sure to visit dreamsoar.org, aviateplatform.com, and aviatrixbookreview.com, and by searching for Literary Aviatrix on social media. Of course, encouraging women to pursue aviation careers is also a key focus of NBAA's work to foster a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive business aviation community. To learn more about NBAA's efforts, visit nbaa.org forward slash diversity. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device. Of course, you can also download Flight Plan directly from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Uh, 3500. Uh, we got him inside. We're slowing back to 170.